Bibles with me to Psalm 1. Psalm 1. I have two weeks to preach, so I thought I'd do a series on the Psalms. Uh, we're going to be doing Psalm 1 this week and Psalm 150 next week. Next week, the, the bookends of the Psalms. Uh, the doorway in and the doorway out. And I think their very placement in the Psalms can be instructive to us. Um, now, uh, in Psalm 1, there's pretty clearly three sections, but what I'd like us to do, rather than just looking at each section as a separate piece, but to go through it with three different lenses, to look at it three different times. First, through the lens of, of how we might come to it wrongly through, through sin, then look at it through the light of our Savior, Jesus, and then look at it as a saint. So, sin, Savior, uh, saint... Let's jump into the text. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's pray. Father God, give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Take from us our hearts of stone. Help us to see you rightly, to see our sin rightly, um, and to not uh, be pushed into despair or anger, um, but to be humbled, to be brought low that you may build us up. Father, help us to see and know you better a little from this text this morning. Amen. Alright, so we're going to look at it three different ways. We're going to look at it through the eyes of sin, through the eyes of our Savior, and through the eyes of what it means to be a saint. So, through the eyes of sin, this is, this is the wrong way to hear it. First one, blessed is the man. We immediately rework that to say, I'll be blessed if. I'll be blessed if. We, we, just were, we are innately so geared to transactional relationship. Okay, God, what do I need to do? Where's my list? I love a list. Just tell me what I need to do and I'll do it. We, we ignore that it's saying blessed is. We think, oh... This is what I need to do. Here's my list. And so, so what do we read it as the list? We, we go on in verse 1. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Okay. I'll be blessed if I don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this. I need to, to not seek the world for counsel. I need to remove myself. I, I need to not be associated with sinners and scoffers. Okay, good. We, we, we totally ignore the fact that Jesus was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. We just, okay, 
Um, it, it, this would be a wrong way to read it. I'll, I'll be blessed if I, just, if I just don't do these bad things. Okay. Now, now what do I need to do? Verse 2. But his delight, we ignore the delight part. We, we, we ignore the emotion. We go, okay, uh, but uh, I, I really know the Bible. And, and, I've, and I've got the, the it in my head. I've, I've, if I learn the catechism enough, if I go to the Bible studies, um, if, I, if I go to church, maybe if I go to seminary and I become a preacher, maybe I'll, maybe I'll accrue God's blessing. We just immediately make it transactional. I'll be blessed if I, if I just stay away from sinners, if I don't seek them for counsel, but I just really, I know the Bible. Uh, I know it, I memorize it. And, and these are good things. Going to church is a good thing. Memorize the Bible. Awanas is a good thing. It doesn't accrue us merit before God. And if some of you are pricked a little bit by this, I understand that this is partial truth. There's a little bit of partial truth, but some of the most ensnaring lies are partial truths. Satan deceived Eve with a, with a partial truth, and it was a total lie. And then we think, if I, here's my list, I don't do this, I, I do all these things, then I'm going to be like an oak tree. Verse 3, I'm going, to, I'm going to be planted by one of those massive trees. I'm going to be the immovable person. I'm going to be the strong man in the family. Everyone can rely on me. My finances will be straight so that I, I'm the one that helps other people out. I don't need help. I'm the one that people go to in times of trial. I'm not always running to others for help. And again, this is, this is a partial truth. We think, God will treat me well if I'm good enough. Yielding its fruit in its season, its leaf not withering when times are difficult. In all that he does, he prospers. And we totally forget that Jesus turns prosperity on its head. He said, blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, which means there isn't justice and righteousness in the land. Blessed are the, the persecuted Jesus turns our understanding of prosperity and blessing on its head. And we just, we just ignore that so often. And I'm including myself in this. I default to this by nature. And then we think, the wicked are not so. They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. We, we forget that knowing. We, we forget that relational aspect of being known of God and knowing Him relationally. Having a depth of intimate relationship. It's, no, it, it might be just what I know about God or, or what I've done. Jesus used the example of many people were say, didn't I do this? Didn't I preach? Didn't I cast out demons? Didn't I heal? He said, I, didn't, I, didn't, I don't know you. There isn't relationship there. We, we ignore that and we think, you know, that's my standing before God. What have I done and what have I not done? Have I not done what I'm not supposed to do? Have I done what I'm supposed to do? Is, how much of this is you and me? Even, even for those who believe. When you f- sin spectacularly like I often do, do you immediately think, oh, God's going to hit me with a stick? Not, not loving discipline, but just uh, despair before God. 
Or, or, or maybe um, you've got the willpower to just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I often oscillate between these two. When I've got the willpower, give me my list and I'm doing it. Knocking it out of the park. God's going to bless me. And then if blessing doesn't come, the problem's with God. I'm judging God. I'm frustrated with God. I've been good. Why haven't you blessed me? Or maybe I, I receive this list of what to do and what not to do, and I realize that I'm a f- spectacular failure. I'm just, there's no hope for me. Or I'm just depressed. I think that, that maybe I'm saved by, by grace, but I have to maintain it. All on my own. Don't view the scriptures this way. Don't view this text this way. Don't view the law this way. Don't, that's looking at the law through the eyes of sin. It is a partial truth. It's through the eyes of sin. Look at it through the eyes of our Savior. Maybe you look at the law and you realize you don't measure up. And like Paul, we can say, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, I came to fulfill it. Jesus said, all the scriptures bear witness to me. You search them because you think that in them you have eternal life. They bear witness to me. Where is our Savior here? Let's look back through. And we read verse 1. Blessed is the man. Present tense. Stative verb, it's describing the blessed man. This is not an if-then. There are if-thens in the Bible. This is not an if-then. Blessed is the definite article man. Singular. It transitions to plural at the end. But it's singular. Jesus is the only one who has done all this for us. Jesus is the blessed man. And he is our perfect example of how to understand this. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Jesus is the perfect example of what it meant to be in the world, but not of it. He was surrounded by by tax collectors and sinners and prostitutes, but they were not his counselors. His counselors were the scriptures. He was known to delight in being in the house of the Lord, in his father's house. He knew the scriptures. He could open the big Isaiah scroll and go and point to the verses that pointed to him. When he was tempted by Satan, he kept quoting Deuteronomy. No, Satan, you're not to put the Lord your God to the test. No, Satan, you live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. No, Satan... You're to worship the Lord, your God, alone. He's the perfect example of one who wasn't counseled by the world, though he was in the world. And his delight was in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditated day and night. The word meditate there, it's used of doves making their cooing sound. We we could translate this, the the mutterings of the law are always on their lips day and night. It's getting at the fact that this, this law of God has gone inward to the heart and is coming out on the lips day and night. Some of it, some of the scriptures are in the head here of the blessed man. And they're coming out. They are his counselor by day and by night. 
And he, that is Jesus, is like a tree, a solid rock. He said, build your house on the rock, which is me, not the sand. So that when the rains come, when the floods rise, and they will, the wicked blow away like chaff. The sand goes out from under them. Their house collapses. Great is their fall. But those who are built on him, though the rain come, though the flood come, they are solid. Not because they are solid, but because they are the solid one, the blessed man, Jesus Christ. We get grafted into him. And I, and I don't think when Jesus was saying, I am the vine and you are the branches, that he's explicitly saying that from, ver- from Psalm 1. But the image is still the same. That we are grafted into Christ and from him comes life. From him comes blessing. From him comes prosperity and growth in the spirit. In all that he does, he prospers. And we understand that in the, when Jesus walked among us, what did prosperity like, look like in his life? He picked up his cross. He was scorned. Man of sorrows was his name. And so we have to look at Christ through the long lens because Jesus didn't just die. He rose again and he ascended to the right hand of the Father where he is seated now on the throne, ruling and reigning, interceding for us that we may not fail, that we would bear fruit, that our leaf wouldn't wither. And so he turns prosperity not into this momentary life, but in the scope of eternity for those who are in Christ. And then the psalm makes it clear that there's two paths. There are two, ultimately two types of people. Those who are in Christ and those who are in the world or in Adam, Paul would say. The wicked are not so, they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Chaff here, if you get wheat berries in your hand, they have a, a papery husk over them and you can rub them together and they, and they blow away. A modern day equivalent might be uh, like holiday, you, you buy a bag of mixed nuts that aren't cracked for some reason. I don't know why we do that, but we do. And we sit and we crack them and we get frustrated and we eat the meat and the, the shell is thrown away. Chaff here is less substantive than that shell that we just cast off. The, the useless part. That's what he's saying, the wicked are life. They're like chaff that the wind blows away. And it's saying the, the image here is of chaff as opposed to those who are this massive oak tree with stability. Therefore, the wicked will not stand at the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And notice here the transition to plural. The congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Jesus is the blessed man. And his call to all who have thought, maybe if I'm just good enough, where's my list? Maybe if I just, maybe if I just turn over another leaf and I, and I try again and make another New Year's resolution. He says, come to me, all who weary and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. He says, bring me your shame. Bring me your sorrows. Bring me your sin. And it all goes on him. And he covers us in his righteousness. We are, uh, the New Testament loves calling us saints. That is, holy ones. Ones who stand righteous before God, not because of what they have done, 
but because of what God has done. So we've gone through it. We've looked at it wrongly through sin. We've looked at the psalm as how Christ fulfills it, but there is another use here. Now as saints, for those who believe that Jesus Christ has died for their sin and He is your King, come back to the psalm and be instructed how to be like your older brother. Not trying to earn the love of the Father. You don't have to earn His love, but being instructed by it so that we may be more and more like Him. We don't obey in order to be adopted. We're adopted and then given the house rules. And so we can be instructed here in how to do life in Psalm 1. And so we come back to verse 1. Blessed is the man. Praise be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord that he is the blessed man. Thank you God that you look at me and I'm righteous in your eyes. What a great blessing. God, help me not to just walk in the way the world walks, to live in the way the world lives, to seek them for counsel, but to go to your word, Lord. Help me to walk in your ways as Christ has gone before me, because you have loved me so much, and your law ought to be desired. It's sweeter than the honeycomb is more than it ought to be desired. And we, and, and we can be honest. We can be honest. Do you delight in the law of God? I mean, do you just do you read the Ten Commandments and go, oh, what a delight. Do you read Leviticus and just get filled with delight? Be honest. But as saints, we can go, God, I don't delight in you the way I ought to. Help me. Help me delight. Help take this knowledge in my head And this obedience in my hand, by sheer force of will, drive it down into my heart. And this is where I think the Psalms, and especially Psalm 1, is uh, wisdom for how to read the Psalms. That God gave us poetry and song to teach us to delight. That the Psalms uniquely take what can easily just be in our head or just in our hand and drive it down into our heart and teach us how to delight in the Lord. And how to lament when the law is broken. How to cry out to Him when we feel abandoned. How to self-talk when we know that we're not feeling the way we ought to. Why are you cast down, O my soul? The psalmist there is speaking to himself. Why are you cast down? Hope in God. It's an example of preaching to himself. So I would encourage you to, to memorize Some psalms. Put them to music. They they are put to music. You can find them. Learn a few of them. Sing them to your children. Learn some of them. If you feel like you're having trouble taking what is law in your head and in your hand with obedience and driving it down into the heart, God has given us poetry. He knows our frame. He knows that we're dust. And His prescription is poetry and song. What a great God we have. And so we, so we read this as a, as a saint and we get to verse 3. He is like a tree planted by streams of water. Yes, Jesus, thank you for being my rock. Thank you for being the vine. Thank you for not letting go of me. Thank you for slowly, oh so slowly, bearing fruit in my life. Not in a day. Not in a week. Not in a month. But maybe year after year, 
maybe you're a little less angry. Maybe you get a little less angry when you drive or when someone cuts you off. Maybe you have a little more delight now than you did five years ago. But by the work of the Holy Spirit, for those who are in Christ, the Holy Spirit has engrafted us into Him and life comes and fruit comes slowly. And so we submit ourselves to the means of grace God has given us in the Scriptures, in corporate worship, in singing together the Psalms. This is why, shameless plug for youth group, uh, we're learning some of the Psalms. Uh, last week we sang Psalm 3 to the music of House of the Rising Sun. If you're offended, get over it. <laughs> but uh, by learning it, it's so easy to memorize. And maybe now, when they hear that music, they think, Oh Lord, how many are my foes, against me many rise. In vain, they say, to help he looks on the Lord. And, and they learn it, and they can begin to delight in the law. That's, that's why we're trying to do that with some of the psalms in youth group. And then we get to verse 4. And we're given eternal security. We are known of the Lord. That we will stand. For those who are in Christ, covered in His righteousness, we will stand in the congregation of the righteous, but the wicked will not. And He wants us to have eternal security. So we can go through the psalm through the eyes of sin through the eyes of our Savior, but then as a saint being instructed. And so maybe for, for application, if, if you're thinking in that first group, maybe if you grew up that way, thinking, where's my list? I'll be blessed if I obey. I just need to not do this, not do this, not do this, do all these things. Maybe you did that. And then it didn't go well. Maybe you tried to do that and then you despaired because you realized you failed. Maybe even though you're in Christ, you resort to that. When, when, when you fail, you think, oh, uh, my, my relationship with God is transactional, so now I'm just going to get hit with a stick. Not loving, gentle discipline of the Father. Not, not the violence of grace, but the violence of punishment. God has none of that for His children. And so uh, I, I would plead both to those who don't know Jesus Christ and feel like their relationship is just a transaction. How good have I been? That gives me eternal security and blessing. Or for Christians who, uh, like myself, are bent is just to return to this. Both of us just repent. Turn to Christ. Turn away from that. And throw yourself on the mercy of God again and again and again. We don't graduate from it. The same gospel that saves us sanctifies us. And so run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. For outside of Christ, your best works, Paul and Isaiah would say that they are vile in his sight. Because God is holy and good and pure. He made all that is. He sustains it by the word of his power. And I think that by me you know, telling the truth a little more than I lie, I've, I've tipped the balance and earned his... His, his blessing? No. That's vile in His sight. But for those who are in Christ, for those who are covered in His righteousness, the same good works, He sees us as sons trying to imitate and love Him. 
And so abandon that. I would plead, if you don't know Christ, repent. Crawl out to Him that He would save you and give you His righteousness. And He would take your sorrow, your shame, and your sin. And for the, for the saint, the application, try learning some psalms. Maybe just one. Put it to modern music so it's easier to sing. Or start with Psalm 117. It's only two verses or so. And, and God will use that to work a little more delight in Him and His law. And finally, the, the third application. We are, we are to run to Christ I think Psalm 1 sits here as instruction for us to learn some psalms, memorize them, so the mutterings of them can be on our lips day and night. But the third one is to see Christ and rejoice. Be driven to praise. So come, let us worship the Lord.